Welcome to another episode of the View Charlotte Real Estate and Entertainment Podcast. My name is Jeremy Orden, one of the partners with the Orden Ryder Group at Allen Tate. Each week, we will break down a real estate topic, share stories related to the topic, or have guests with experience in various facets of real estate, and then discuss something about our city that makes it unique. This could be restaurants, things to do, fun facts, or, well, virtually anything about Charlotte, because Charlotte is such an amazing city with limitless opportunities. The idea of continuing to educate our clients to the real estate market so they can make the best decisions for their family is a commitment that we stand behind, and hopefully each of these episodes will leave at least a little pearl of wisdom with our listeners. Let's get started. For this episode, I am joined by one of the fantastic agents on our team, AJ Lindsay. AJ has been a Charlotte resident for a short period of time. However, he has found enormous success. For anyone unfamiliar with AJ, he's often described by his clients as being an amazing educator and negotiator who's deeply committed to his clients. One of the best things about AJ is his incredible sense of humor and warm personality. Everyone who meets AJ instantly becomes a fan of his, and I'm honored to work with him every single day. AJ, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Jeremy. Thanks for that introduction, and I'm looking forward to this episode and contributing to this great podcast. I'm really happy to have you here today. When we were discussing the topics that we wanted to cover on the podcast and we came up with this week's topic, I immediately knew that this was the conversation to have with you. Yeah, when you first mentioned the topic, uh, I was excited because this would be towards the top of my list of things I want to talk about. Well, I think that we're going to be discussing um, something today that you and I have had a ton of experience with, working with clients who are not local. Correct. I, I think Charlotte has always been somewhat of a transplant city, but with the increase of companies moving down here, creating more jobs, that trend has continued. Also, during the pandemic, you know, we've seen an even larger influx of people moving down here, either from the Northeast, Midwest, and really all throughout the country for many factors. So this topic is something we know well. I really want to break this conversation into a few different sections, including helping to identify the areas that people would be interested in, how we then present homes to people who are not physically here, and then finally, that actual process of working with clients at a distance from the contract to close period. Sounds great. Where do you want to start? Well, let's get started with identifying areas. In my experience, this can easily be one of the more difficult and frustrating aspects of working with people who are not local. When people are local to Charlotte, they know the areas that they might want to be in. And while we might educate them to other areas or opportunities that they may not be familiar with, for the most part, they do have a good idea of where they want to be. However, Charlotte is just such a vast city that when people are moving from other areas, they don't really understand that or the different areas that they could potentially focus on. Absolutely. Some some people, sometimes people know that they're going to be working in certain parts of the city and they have a desired commute time, but it does get tough when they don't have a preference for schools or an area and we were staring at an entire map trying to figure out where they might want to be. That's always been one of the toughest aspects when people are relocating here. In my opinion, this is where a good agent starts to ask questions as to, you know, what schools that somebody might want to be in, what activities they're interested in, how much land or privacy they might want, really trying to get to the bottom of what they're looking for so that we can present the right opportunities in the right area. 
Yeah, I also like to learn what they like in the house. I've worked with clients who like older homes that have character and don't really want to be in an HOA. That certainly helps to guide the search. At the same time, I've also worked with clients who are moving here from out of state and they want to specifically target new construction. So that also helps as a guiding factor. You know, I recently worked with a client who was moving from out of state and he was going to be working out of his home. So there was no office to commute with. However, he wanted to live in a golf course community and he was really hunting for what golf course or country club that he wanted to join versus the specific house that he was looking for. So golf was first, house was secondary. And it just became this very interesting home search where I'm getting him all of these statistics on the country clubs versus the specific house. Yeah, I, I haven't had an experience on the golf courses. However, I know when I'm working with clients who are relocating, I just try and be their eyes and ears on the ground. This includes sometimes describing areas of a town or neighborhoods that align with what they're looking for. You know, as agents, we're always you know conscious about never steering people to certain areas. However, I think it's important that we present all information available to help our clients make the most informed decision and find out what's going to work best for their needs. And I think that's where our expertise comes in, where we're not just going to sit there and only rely on what the client is providing us. We've done this before many times, so we know what questions to ask that are going to allow us to help get this search a little bit more specific and not necessarily be very broad. You know, and obviously this is much easier if someone's like, I'm going to be working at this location and I only want a 10 minute commute. Yeah, if someone has an extremely specific area they're looking for, you know, you still have to go through the whole process. But sometimes the hardest part in that type of search is actually waiting for a home to pop up in MLS because not only does it have to still meet the criteria of what they want, but it also has to be in a very specific area. That's actually something I'm I'm glad that you brought up about, you know, homes popping up in MLS, because as you and I both know, we've created, you know, opportunities for our clients by going out and finding a home that isn't even listed in MLS. Yeah, correct. I mean, and, and also you have sometimes firm exclusives within Allen Tate, which is, is a benefit uh, for Allen Tate. And What that does is it's people that may not necessarily want to go on MLS quite yet and just sort of test the market to see what's out there. Exactly. I mean, I I think that's that really goes ahead and, and helps define how we're going to present properties and identify the right areas. So now we've discussed areas, which I'm sure you and I can probably spend, you know, a limitless amount of time discussing. Let's talk about the actual act of presenting homes to clients. Can you talk to me about what your experience with FaceTime showings has been? Yeah, with technology these days, FaceTime has definitely been a significant help for out-of-town clients and whatnot. I look at it as seeing the photos of the house online, but trying to take it a step further. Now, in the last couple of years during COVID, this was even more significant of a help because homes just were not staying on the market for a long time at all. They'd go on the market and then be under contract in one day or even less. And if you're out of town, a lot of people don't have the budget or time to be flying down every single weekend to see homes if they're going to be under contract within a few few hours. So in the current market, it's allowed those buyers enough time to do that and not feel as pressured as it was the last couple of years. 
So it really sounds like you're using FaceTime to be able to get people into homes regardless of where they are in the country. Yeah, I mean, any possible way that I can get as much information to them without necessarily relying on me is one thing. Obviously, I want them to build that trust and trust me looking at the home, but anything I could provide to them directly is, is a benefit. I love that. You know, it really does put that higher level of responsibility on you, though, to be their eyes, ears, and I mean, not to be crude, but as you and I both know, the nose for the clients when they're not personally there. When when you're on these FaceTime showings, can you give me an idea of what you're doing? Well, you're not going to get a real detailed view of any issues or something like that on the video, especially if it's in real time. But one of the main things I do it for is allowing the client to sort of get of a, a good flow and feel of the house, where the rooms are situated, what's it feel like to walk through that house. But I can also answer questions in real time while I'm there on a specific item. If they have a question with something that I need to look at, I can do it right at that moment. Also, either before or after I have these FaceTime calls, I ensure I walk through the house myself in a very detailed manner because when I'm on the FaceTime, I'm not quite in tune with paying attention to the house as much as I'm trying to make sure I get a good shot for the client to see what they want to see. I love that. I, I think it's great. It's thorough. But more than anything else, it really shows that you're investing the time to really explore the property for the benefit of your clients. Yeah, it's it's a responsibi responsibility that I take seriously. However, while I like FaceTime showings because it is that real-time showing of a house with a client being there with you virtually, um, I know you sort of have a different approach. Yeah, I I hate FaceTime showings. From a selfish standpoint, you know, it gives me more flexibility when I can get the home scheduled when there's an available time slot to be able to get it booked. I also find that, you know, coordinating everybody's schedule for a virtual showing can sometimes be difficult. However, from a client standpoint, it gives them a permanent record when I can actually do a video tour of the house. I'm not a home inspector, obviously. However, if I'm going to be my client's eyes, ears, and as we discussed, nose in the home, I prefer for everything to be recorded and documented. This gives my clients the ability to refer back to it in order to see the condition that it was in previously. And I also think that they like to watch it more than once, which is something that FaceTime just doesn't allow for. Finally, and I think this is a really important thing, I don't know how to get a wide angle lens working on FaceTime. And I find that if you can use the wide angle, you're able to get a better feel for a space in a home. Like that's why homes are photographed with wide angle lenses and it, it gives a better sense of the actual property. So I, I just prefer video. That's a really good point and something that I will consider in the future. It just works better for me. Like I put my phone on a gimbal and produce a little walkthrough movie. I think my clients appreciate it and it allows everyone to have the flexibility to see the home when works best for them. But most importantly, they have that record of the home that they can continue to come back to, to look at a room, to really be able to study it where it's not just that one time, then it's done. 
And that's something you and I both believe in. We want the clients to have the best and most accurate experience when viewing a property. By utilizing different visualization presentation methods, you're able to bring your clients into the home regardless of where they are in the country. Especially in a post-COVID world, you know, it starts to become more important. You know, even now we see, you know, multiple homes where they're apprehensive about letting buyers into the home. And on our listing side, I know when we're talking and on our listing side, and I know we're talking about buyers right now, but for our sellers, when we produce our agent tour videos, it allows us to be able to show the buyers the home in a different I, way. I love our listing videos. Uh, I enjoy having a fun time making them, but they also give us the opportunity to highlight features in a property that would otherwise be obscured by just presenting pretty photos and a couple hundred characters in MLS. I agree. And and I have to say, your your home presentation videos when you're presenting a house, I mean, they're really some of the, you know, most entertaining things. Everything from you playing foosball to yes. yeah, I mean AJ, getting, you, getting some action shots in the game room. <laughs> you've got a special talent when it comes to this. Uh, which brings us to the last aspect of working with clients who are not here locally is working with them from contract to closing. Yeah, so tell me more about that. Well, there's a lot more to this process, especially when you're working with clients who are not local. The first thing I do once we go under contract is schedule their inspections and coordinate with their lender on the appraisal. And we also discuss whether they want to have a survey done. I love that you brought up surveys. It's incredible how many things can be discovered by having a survey performed. I recommend them to all my clients. So when a property is under contract and my clients are not here locally, I make sure that I'm there during all of the inspections. I ensure they can either FaceTime or I will record debriefs on video for them. As we all know, there's a huge difference between hearing an inspector debrief from their findings versus reading an extensive report. I, I love that you brought that up. I often feel that the communication between the buyer and the home inspector really understanding what the inspection is saying is the difference between getting to a closing table versus a deal falling apart. I agree. When when a client isn't here locally, I become the eyes and ears for the buyer. I also then coordinate with our trusted contractors and trades to get them estimates for any of the improvements they want to make to the property or just get them estimates for the items that they come up with on the inspection report. As I'm prone to do, I'm going to interrupt you real quick and jump in. This is something that we do on our team all the time. We turn to our trusted contractors in order to find out what it costs to get items fixed. Oftentimes, in my experience, I have found that a buyer will read an inspection report and be really concerned over something that turns out to be, you know, relatively minor or inexpensive to have fixed. And that's one of the things that you know, buyers leverage us because sometimes they just have no clue what something costs. And this whole, th that's why it's called due diligence for a reason. It's the time period for the buyer to research the property, discover what is wrong and what it takes to make it right. So my job is to collect the data for them so they can make the best decision moving forward with a full picture of the cost, time and outcomes. I love that. So you're there for the inspection, you get estimates, what else are you doing? Uh, you mean, what else am I not doing? Um, 
I have coordinated full kitchen renovations from a distance. I have gotten estimates for landscaping and even pool projects for my clients. Installing a pool from a distance? Yeah, I met with the contractor, uh, helped come up with a design that the contractor then presented to our clients. Ultimately, when you're moving in an area not physically there, you need an advocate who you can trust, who can act as your agent and collect all the data for you. I think it's such a great approach. How, how has the reception been from your clients with you being so hands-on in all of these facets? I think it's been great. And I, I think that they would agree. Ultimately, it comes down to trust. I genuinely have my con uh, client's best interests in mind and fiduciary duty with them. I do not ever look at a transaction like, oh, I'm going to make X amount of dollars off of this, but rather as I'm here to service their needs and through my actions demonstrate trust. When I earn my client's trust by doing what I say I'm going to do and exclusively putting their needs first, it demonstrates to my clients that they have someone who can take the stress off their hands and ensure that things will go as smoothly as possible. You said earning their trust, and I think that's what it comes down to. Through the entire relationship, you're reinforcing your role with them and delivering what you promise. And sometimes earning that trust is a little bit more difficult when you're just having phone calls with them and not necessarily seeing them in person. As you know, there are thousands of agents in our market. There are fantastic agents. And then there are, well, there's other agents. <laughs> I believe in our team, our approach, and our philosophy of educating our clients to the market so they can make the best decisions for them and their families. I, I know what it takes to move from one city to another, and I try to be the agent to my clients that I would want to have representing me if I was in their situation. AJ, I mean, I think you just summed everything up. You're providing a service, you're acting in your client's best interests, and going above and beyond to present properties to your clients to ensure that they don't miss out on anything. Well, isn't that what you'd expect if you were moving to a city and couldn't physically be here? I mean, of course, but as we both know, that's not what everybody does. Ah, uh, true. That they should, though. They should. Well, I I agree, and I mean, I think that's you know the differentiator. I think that wraps up the conversation about the process of working with clients who are moving from other areas. I mean, obviously, we can share tons of stories, but let's shift to our entertainment topic for the week, which is something that I know that you have been excited to discuss. Yeah, if there's ever a topic that should be discussed about Charlotte, this is the one that I should be on deck to go through. So for this week's topic, AJ and I are going to break down, you know, our personal opinions about the top five Charlotte public golf courses. Yeah, and I need to jump in with my favorite one, which is Verdict Ridge. Um, I don't think I'm familiar with Verdict Ridge. What it's up what towards is it? Denver. Okay. Um, it has some of the quickest greens in the area. There's a lot of slopes to the fairway and even more extremely sloped greens. It's a semi-private club, so it's available to the public on Monday through Thursday and then private on Friday to Sunday. So a little bit more, a little unique in that sense. And having a realtor schedule, it's sometimes easy to avoid the weekends golfing because that's when I'm working the most. So what do you like about this course? Because, I mean, not to once again go off on a Jeremy tangent, but you and I play golf at very different levels. Like, you are a golfer, and I'm 
something else. Yeah, I think, you know, the course is just always in great shape. Now, it's not the closest to my home. And I think that's one of the benefits of Charlotte is um, it's got so many golf. I think there's 26 courses in Charlotte. Uh, and there's another 27 courses within 20 miles of Charlotte. So, and that includes an extra 14 public, two municipal, and 11 private courses. So, typically, what happens in my life is I golf more at a convenient location. And one of the ones that I do love that is convenient is Old Sycamore. Uh, it's only about 20 minutes from my house. It's always in great shape, but that course requires a lot of target golf shots where you're not necessarily using the driver off the tee as often you would think, but it's still a great course to play. So one of my favorite courses is Tiga K. As I said, my game is nowhere near as, as good as yours. So the more challenging a course can be, the more frustrated I, I typically get and the more holes I end up skipping, especially as we move. You've played with me, you know, like I will just tap out on, on certain holes or, you know, after losing a certain number of balls off the tee. Yeah. But TK to me is just one of the most beautiful courses I have ever played. It has a combination of beautiful rolling hills, tight fairways, and is really beautifully maintained. There's actually multiple courses there, including the Cove 9 course. There's beautiful but really, really challenging and ball-eating water obstacles. Yep. And, you know, like that never works out well for me. But Well, Tiga K is also on my list, actually. Uh, it's actually the only public course in Charlotte, I believe. That's 27 holes. So they basically have those three nine-hole tracks in the one that you just mentioned that is your favorite. So that's an added benefit where you sort of get some different holes to play at different times you go there. The other thing that's just great about it is that it's situated on the peninsula of Tiga K and weaves through the community. So in certain areas, like you'll see like 1970s style homes all the way up to brand new, like custom built houses. Mm -hmm. There's a ton of wildlife out there. And, you know, out of probably the two dozen or so rounds that I've played there, there's never been a single round where I haven't been like texting my wife photos of like the famous <laughs> yep. TKK deer as they're just you know, prancing Say, across the fairway. Yeah. And taking the same like picturesque photos every single time you play. <laughs> That's, you know, like if I can't play a good round of golf, at least I can text my wife a good photo. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. So I, I sort of flew through my top three right there, but what was, did you have one more at all? Yeah. You know, so we, we aligned with one of them, but you know, another one of my favorite courses, and this is going to be just outside of Charlotte, is going to be the Edgewater Golf Club in Lancaster. So this is a course that has consistently been voted one of the toughest courses in Charlotte, which, you know, for my game doesn't always play out well. However, um, the Charlotte Business Journal has put this as, you know, one of the top, um, you know, courses in the entire area. Um, it was ranked seventh in the U.S. for best value and second in South Carolina for best course in 2016. It weaves through the community of Edgewater and Lancaster, and it's really like a 20-minute drive for me to get out there. It's a 
you know, beautiful combination of tight fairways and then they have the open, like, link-styled holes that, you know, even rival some of the country club-style courses. One of the builders that we work with, True Homes, actually has the annual event out there. And, you know, I've successfully played, like, a two-under par round out there. I, I was with you. Um, that was the first time I actually played that course was for that event. I just want to highlight, I played a two under par round out there. <laughs> we we can like omit the fact that like it was team best ball and it oh, was- Oh, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> and it was capped at par. So um, yeah, but I mean, I was there, it happened and it's on a scorecard and, and I can hold that. The, the nice thing about Edgewater though is they really do have a full facility, including like chipping, pro shop, snack shop. You know, just tons of practice areas and a beautiful driving range. Yeah, that that was a gorgeous course. I did enjoy playing that. And the other thing, like, there's a ton of driving ranges, not even on the golf courses. I mean, they're just separate driving ranges throughout Charlotte and Greater Charlotte. So when it came to describing our favorite courses, there was one other thing that you and I were discussing before we sat down. And, you know, we had a little debate over whether or not it counts as a course. However... It's right there at the top of my list, and there's two locations, and that's going to be our, you know, Charlotte Top Golf areas. Yeah, the, the Top Golf locations, uh, being in a large metro city, we actually have two of them. One is located about northeast towards the university area, and the other is southwest, and they're both only about 15 minutes from uptown, so super convenient for everyone. And the best part about these is you do not have to be a golfer to go there. I mean, you could have never swung a club in your life, and it's still a good time. For people unfamiliar with Top Golf, it's, well, you know what, AJ, I'm going to let you describe what Top Golf is. Yeah, so it's usually the locations are about three to four stories high. So, you know, even if you're three stories up and you duff a ball, it's still going to go a little bit of a distance, but they have about, I want I think maybe five or six greens that catch the balls in the net and it scores you points. You can play so many different games. Uh, the balls have a chip in them so that it tracks how far they go, where they're going and all that. And keeps it monitored on a computer screen and not only that you also have uh, additional televisions to watch any sporting event that's going on at the time they have a bar inside they have waitresses that come out to your table and each hitting bay has uh, a table u-shaped couch so it's really more like a night out uh, with friends or something like that than anything serious I think the best part about Top Golf is I can take my kids and my wife out there who have zero interest in golf whatsoever. And it's not like sitting in the heat or riding in a golf cart. It's almost like a real life arcade version of golf that makes the sport more accessible to everybody. Yeah. And, and I am a golfer and I still love going there just as much as maybe someone who doesn't play as much. It's also fun that, you know, you can feed your kids food, like just everything works out being there and they even have a reservation process. You can save your statistics yep. and the Top Golf games like 
there's a variety of different games that you can play from like long ball to closest to the hole to different scorekeeping. It's it's a really fun experience. Yeah, I, I think the, the range it has of just being sort of a one stop fun night with family, friends, you know, anything, um, regardless of your golf level and, and stuff, it's it's a good time. There's one last thing I want to mention, and it doesn't really fit into our category of like a public course. However, a couple of months ago, I went with some friends to it was almost a bar type environment. And they had a full like golf course simulator where you're hitting into this huge screen and in real time, like you're seeing the course, you're watching your ball go. And it was like that virtual experience that you would get at like a golf shop where, you know, you're you're trying out clubs, but you're actually able to play an entire course. Yeah. And if you've ever been to like a Dick Sporting Goods and stuff, if you buy a new driver or something like that. You can test it out um, on the simulator and whatnot. But these are popping up sort of all over the place. Um, you know, I used to live in Boston for 12 years, and these are more prevalent in the cities where Boston's not golfing right now. I'm still golfing down in Charlotte. They're they're full into winter now already. So that's a benefit of being down here in the warm weather. But those like bar areas with the simulators and whatnot. You see those a lot up north, and they are still a great time, though. I love that. I mean, it just goes to show that, you know, if there's a will, there's a way. So whether you want to, you know, get in a cart or go walk a beautiful course outdoors, whether you want to go to, you know, a top golf facility where it's really kind of family fun or, you know, get a group of people together and go have drinks and play like a virtual round of golf. Yep. Charlotte's got a lot going for it with this. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, AJ, I think we've said everything that there is to say about yeah, this. Yeah, that was fun. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Will you come back and do this again? Of course. Yes. I just had to figure out the topic. <laughs> that Well, I mean, that ends up, of course, being the hard part. But when you hesitated for a moment, I'm like, oh, no, did did you know, the room smell or something like that. <laughs> no, no, this was fun. And I, I actually really enjoyed the topic. It's something that uh, is dear to my heart just from the amount of times we do work with people from other locations and out of state. And, and I and I appreciate you bringing me on for it. Perfect. Well, thank you very much for coming. Thank you to our audience for joining us once again. We'll be back next week with another episode. Take care. Thank you.